Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the aging of Isaac, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 27, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Shall we turn now in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 27? Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out in the field and get me some venison. Make me some savory barbecued venison such, like I, such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat and my soul may bless thee before I die. It is interesting that uh, at this point Isaac is becoming feeble. He's pretty much bedfast. He's blinded now as the result of his age. He feels that death is approaching, but it is interesting that death does not come into Isaac for many, many years. After this experience, Jacob had fled to uh, Haran, spent 20 years there, came back, and Isaac was still alive. And so uh, sometimes you think you've about had it, you think I'm going fast, but uh, you know... (laughs) Don't give up. The Lord still allow you to hang on. And, and uh, you know, it is appointed unto us once to die, and after that the judgment. We don't always know the appointments of God. But indeed, I feel that it is tragic to be in the case of Isaac, to be an invalid for such a long period of time. That indeed is tragic. I think that death is not the worst thing that can happen to a person. I think that uh, when the body can no longer really function in its God-given manner and purpose, when the body can no longer really express me, what I am, uh, here confined to a bed, almost blind, or, or for all practical purposes blind and all, helpless, having to be waited on, and for the spirit just to remain in the body is a hard thing. It's a hard thing upon the person that is lying there. It is a hard thing on the persons that have to take care of them. And many times in cases like this, as far as the person is concerned, much better to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord than to just have your spirit linger on in the body. Why does the spirit linger on? Why doesn't God release the spirit sooner from the body? Uh, I don't know. These are the things that are all in the hands of God. It really isn't mine to, to question the ways of God. But here is a man that God loved. Here is a man that was a servant of God, and yet we find his body incapacitated, and yet his life continuing for many, many years to come in this state of semi-invalidism. And so, feeling that he's going to die, calls his son Esau, 
Did he go out and get some venison, fix it, and spice it up and all like he liked it, and bring it to him that he might eat and give him the blessing? Earlier, Esau cared nothing of the birthright. A profane man, not interested in spiritual things, not interested in the promises of God and the fulfillment of the promises of God, he could care less about the birthright. But he is interested in the blessing. But the blessing really went with the birthright. The blessing came upon the eldest son. But he had sold that position, the birthright. But still he was desiring the blessing of his father. Now indeed it was the purpose of God that Jacob should receive the birthright and it was also the providence of God, the choice of God that Jacob should receive the blessing. It is an interesting thing before the twins were born when they were striving, fighting with each other in Rebecca's womb. She could not figure out all the activity. She prayed and God said, there are two nations striving in your womb. They are diverse from each other. And before they were ever born, God said, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now this was declared of God before their birth that the selection of Jacob might be of the sovereign purposes of God rather than the deservings of man. God, knowing in advance their nature, their character, knowing in advance Esau being a profane person and being a materialist and not really concerned with spiritual things, knowing before they were ever born the attitudes of their lives, God chose Jacob over Esau that it might be of election by God's choice and not by man's deservings. Now the election of God is something that is difficult for us to understand. It is really impossible for us to think as God thinks. I cannot think with that foreknowledge. I just can't do it. God does. And thus it's impossible for me to put my mind in God's mind to think as God thinks. And thus it's wrong for me to judge God for the way he thinks because I can't even know how he thinks. Because when God thinks or when God looks at a situation, he looks at it with this foreknowledge, knowing already in advance what's going to be. We don't know that. And thus... When we select someone, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Say we have someone that comes in for a job interview. Their resume looks great. It looks like, oh, they'd be just the right. And you hire them. And you go, oh, my, this is great. This is the employee we need. And they turn out to be just horrible. We've made the wrong selection. Now, if we knew six months what was going to be in six months, you know, when we hired them, we'd never have hired them. We'd never selected them. If we, had, if we had the foreknowledge and knew what was going to happen because we had uh, selected them for this particular job, we'd have never hired them in the first place. But we don't have that kind of knowledge, and thus we select or we elect, and then we hope for the best. 
But you see, we don't know. So we think, well, this is what's best. And we fire it and then, oh man, what a mistake. But God doesn't make mistakes because God knows in advance what the result is going to be. And thus he elects according to his foreknowledge. Now, if you had the capacity of foreknowledge, wouldn't it be rather stupid to elect a loser? If you had this kind of ability to think with foreknowledge, wouldn't it be sort of dumb to select someone you know is not going to make it? Of course it would be. So how can you fault God for the fact that he makes selections? Because he does it according to his foreknowledge. I can't think that way, and I really can't fault God because he can think that way and makes his elections by his foreknowledge. So God knew in advance concerning Esau, concerning Jacob, and according to this advanced knowledge that God had, he selected that the elder should serve the younger and that through the younger one, his promises for the nation and for the world should be fulfilled. Now, Jacob came to an awareness of this. Of course, his mother knew it before he was ever born because she had prayed and she said, God, what's going on inside of me? And God said, there are two nations. And, and he said, the elder shall serve the younger. So when Jacob came out second, she knew that Jacob was the one that God had selected for the blessings and that the purposes of God would be accomplished through Jacob rather than Esau. Their mother knew that from their birth. And knowing that, she favored Jacob. But Esau, not really caring about the spiritual things, manifested the very character and nature that God knew he had from the beginning, the reason why God rejected him. Now, Isaac's whole request. Go out and get me some nice barbecued venison that I might bless you. You know, the kind that I really love to eat. What a, what a cheap basis for blessing. Just because this kid can hunt and get good barbecued meat, that's all that Isaac was really caring about. He was going to give the blessing upon the basis of, of a savory meat where God wanted the blessing to go upon the basis of the purposes of God in the future. So when Rebekah heard Isaac sending Esau out to get this venison, she called Jacob in. And she said, now your dad has sent your brother out to get some venison and all. So quickly, get me a couple of goats and kill them and, and I'll fix the meat, I can barbecue that goat so it tastes just like venison, and your dad won't know the difference. And, and you take it into him that you might receive the blessing. Now, notice that this whole deceptive scheme was coming from Rebekah, but she was putting Jacob up to it. And Jacob objected and said, hey, there's so much difference, though we're twins, there's so much difference between us. They were fraternal instead of identical twins, and so much difference between us that he'll surely discover the fact that I'm not Esau. That guy's so covered with hair and, 
And if he calls me over to feel me, uh, he'll, he'll see that I'm just smooth and, and he's just covered with hair and, and we smell different and everything else. There's just no way we can pull it off. And she said, you take, let me take care of that. And she said, well, she wrapped some of the goat fur around his arm and around his neck and put some, you know, sort of, you know, covered him with dirt to give him an earthy smell. And, uh, and so he carried in this barbecued goat that she had fixed to taste like venison. And he said, here, Father, I've got the, you know, venison for you that you might eat and bless me. And he said, well, how come you got it so fast? And he said, well, the Lord was with me and the, the deer just came right across my path. And no sooner got out the door than there it was and I got it. And he said, are you sure that that is you, my son Esau? And he said, yes, I'm Esau. He said, well, he says, come over here close to me. And so Jacob went over close and the old man felt his arm and he held out that fur that he had tied around his arm. And he says, yeah, it's the voice of Jacob, but it's sure the hairy arm of Esau. And he <laughs> ate the venison and he blessed Jacob. Now, the thing is, was it God's will that Jacob received the blessing? Yes. Did Jacob and Rebekah know that it was God's will that Jacob received the blessing? Yes, they did. But they made a mistake. And that is, they, knowing what God intended, endeavored to help God out in fulfilling his purpose and thus went into the deception which was a ploy of theirs to help God fulfill his will and fulfill his purpose. Why is it that we think that God can't do his work without our help? Why is it that we think that God is so dependent upon us to accomplish his purposes? Such is not the case. God can accomplish his purposes apart from our help. God will accomplish his purposes apart from us if necessary. You remember when Esther was faced with that dangerous task of going into her husband, the king, uninvited. According to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, if she should go in without his asking for her to come, she would be grabbed by the guards and put to death unless he would raise his scepter to her. No one goes into the king, not, on, not even his wife, unless the king has called for them. And to dare to come into his court without being called meant instant death unless the king himself at that moment would give you the reprieve by holding up his scepter. And yet, the people of God were in danger of extermination by a foolish decree that the king had made. And Mordecai came to Esther and he said, look, 
Perhaps God has brought you into the kingdom for just a time as this or just an hour as this. In other words, maybe your whole life is, is going to be fulfilled in this one hour that God has brought you to this position just for this purpose. She explained the difficulty, the law of the Medes and the Persians. He hasn't called me for a long time. I don't know if he's mad at me or whatever. If I go in there and he doesn't raise the scepter, my head is gone. It's all over for me. And Mordecai said to her, do you think that at this time you can all together escape the edict of the king? You're a Jewess too. And he said, if you should fail at this time, their deliverance shall arise from another quarter. God will save his people. He's not going to let his people get wiped out. If you fail, God is still not going to fail. But you in your failure will lose your own life. Sort of he who seeks to save his life will lose it. He will lose his life for my sake, Jesus said, the same will find it. And Esther was in that very position. Mordecai said, look, don't think that you're going to escape this decree. But if you at this time altogether fail, their deliverance shall arise. He had that confidence that God will accomplish his purpose. Though you may fail, the purposes of God cannot fail. But what happens is that you lose out the reward and the blessing that could be yours by being that instrument that God uses to accomplish his work. Now the work of God is going to be accomplished. What God has willed and purposed shall come to pass. We can be the instruments through which it happens. If we yield ourselves to God, he'll work through us. If we fail to yield ourselves, God will still do his work, and yet we have lost the reward and the benefit and the joy of being the instrument. But the work of God is never dependent upon our deception or our conniving or our scheming. We don't have to scheme and connive to get the work of God done. I look around today at people who are endeavoring to do the work of God. And there are so many people who have great visions for what they can do for God. All they need is the money. And so they've gone into all kinds of schemes to raise money in order to do the work of God. And when you read their letters, the whole insinuation of the letter is, here's a glorious work of God that is depending now upon you sending in your contribution. And if you fail, the work of God is not going to be done. And they really lay the heavy ones on you, you know, of, of you've got to send it in. And here's the work of God, and it can't be done unless you respond. If it's a true work of God, it's going to be done. If it is a true work of God, then it is worth responding to. But yet, God is able to do his work independent. God is not dependent upon us, ever. We are dependent on him, always. So their mistake or their, their 
fault here was not a fault of not believing God, nor was it a fault of not believing the purposes of God. They were both faithful, believing God, believing the purposes of God. Their mistake was thinking that God couldn't fulfill his purposes without their help. I know what you want to do, God, and I just don't see how you can do it without my help. And so I get in there and I start scheming and conniving to help God get his work done. Never. He doesn't need that kind of help. And so Jacob pulled it off. And Esau blessed Jacob. Verse 26. I mean, Isaac, his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed his father, and his father smelled the smell of his raiment. Looking for that earthy smell. And he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. It smells like the outdoor fields. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 27 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God bless you and enrich your heart and your mind and the things of the Spirit, giving you understanding of His Word. And may God increase your faith and your knowledge and understanding of Him. God go with you and bless you and watch over you and keep you in all your ways, strengthening you and ministering to you through his love, in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. 
And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.